Welcome to Building Vibrant Communities, a podcast for anyone interested in supporting and being part of the future success of our cities and towns. From downtowns and high streets to main streets and small towns, this podcast covers a range of topics, including activating public spaces through placemaking, main street small business success and growth, community building and fundraising, and much, much more. You'll hear from Main Street directors, city officials, property owners, small businesses, designers, architects, artists, entrepreneurs, and urban thinkers about what the future of our cities and towns may hold and together can build vibrant, inclusive places for all. This podcast is a collaboration of team members of Patronicity and Bench Consulting from across the country. This series will feature Barbara Lash in Michigan. Jonathan Burke in Boston, Ibrahim Varachia in Oakland, Mahela Clayton in Michigan, and me, Bridget Anderson, here in Indiana. Thanks for joining us. Hello and welcome to Building Vibrant Communities. I'm Bridget Anderson and I'm joined by Barbara Lash. Barb, what's up? Nothing much. Excited. To glad to be here today. Yeah, super excited to talk to you. Um, and even more excited to chat with John Bry. Um, he is the principal planner of the Main Street Oakland County uh, program. It's actually the only countywide Main Street organization in the country. And he helped uh, start a program with us called the Main Street Oakland County COVID-19 Small Business Relief Program, which is a lot to say, but basically um, we supported John in helping his Main Streets raise money um, when COVID-19 happened to support their small businesses. And so uh, we're glad to have you, John, and excited to talk to you about your work with Main Streets and how we can help our communities persevere. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks, John. So I did mention you're this principal planner of the Main Streets in Oakland County, and I actually got to meet you at a Main Street conference, the Great Lakes Main Street conference um, in Indiana. And I know our main streets are sort of going through it, but I'd love to learn about specifically what it looks like to support Main Street Oakland County. Um, since you do have 25 main streets um, that you're supporting in your county, what does that mean to support something of that scale? And um, if you could just share um, your work with us uh, with Main Street Oakland County. Sure. Yeah, we, we met last year at the uh, first Great Lakes Main Street Conference in South Bend, Indiana, uh, my home state. And, uh, uh, we were supposed to host that conference this year in Oakland County, in Trello, uh, but the cooties came and uh, it got scrapped. <laughs> so uh, we will try again uh, here in the future. But uh, yeah, Oakland County Main Street Program is, is considered a coordinating program, uh, just like a state has a coordinating program. On the same car of an Indiana Main Street or a Michigan Main Street or an Ohio Main Street. And uh, we came into being because uh, at the time there was no coordinating Main Street program. In and our local leadership really saw the value of having vibrant downtowns. And uh, so they, they worked with the National Main Street Center and created a countywide coordinating Main Street nation. 
And like you said, we have 25 communities. They, they range in size from 600 in population to 6,000 in population. Uh, we're a county of 1.2 million in Metro Detroit, 900 square miles. Supporting those communities, uh, we have wonderful staff. We have our, our architect, Ron Campbell, who provides uh, design assistance to our, our Main Street communities. Uh, we have wonderful staff with Monica Norris and Tim Holbeck, and they provide uh, technical assistance and training uh, to our various communities on a variety of topics. Our local leadership that support the programs as well. So it's 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 a lot of technical support and training, but at the end of the day, they all want to know where can we find money, <laughs> where where can we find cash uh, for the projects? Because even though in Oakland County, some of our communities may appear to have some very robust budgets on paper. Um, at the end of the day, a lot of that money is spoken to. through uh, staff salaries, through major infrastructure projects, or uh, all types of things. And so they don't necessarily have a lot of money left. So we were talking to Patronisti uh, before the pandemic about creating an Oakland County uh, base-making themed uh, support grant to go hand-in-hand -hand with a, a program that we created Years ago with Flagstar Bank, which happens to be headquartered in Oakland County. And um, we were looking to build on that to offer placemaking grants at a, at a higher level of funding. Uh, and then and then all hell broke. <laughs> so we were we were scrambling uh, to find ways to get money quickly um, and raise awareness into our local businesses through our reached out to all 25 of our communities, asking them if they'd like to participate. And we worked with Patronisti to teach and train and explain uh, what it meant to put on a campaign. Because since most of our communities are DDAs, traditional grassroots fundraising is somewhat rare for them. And, and it's unusual. Um, so that was kind of a jar to the system. Like, hey, folks, you got to go raise money. Just can't wait for the check to show up in the mail every year. So that was a new experience for them, but they really, for the most part, I'd say most of them in Burns end up participating out of the 25. So we were thrilled with the response. And, and it was great to even see some of our smaller communities like Leonard with 600 people clear up in the north uh, eastern corner of the county. Um, that just, they were the first one on. Out of the 21 communities, they were the first ones with a campaign and they were so appreciative to have the opportunity and and so sweeten the pot we um offered through main street oakland county we rediverted some funding we got in our budget and we were able to offer a four thousand dollar match so for every community who raised at least four thousand uh, dollars we were going to match them we end up participating out of the 25. so we were thrilled the response and, and it was great to even see some of our smaller communities like Leonard with 600 people clear up in the north uh, eastern corner of the leader. And uh, folks like Leonard that don't even have a formal downtown organization, they raised $1,600. They were thrilled. I mean, that type of money goes a long way. And we matched them with another $1,600. So they ended up with $3,200. They were absolutely thrilled. They do grants was that thanks to the crowdfunding campaign and the grant that they were able to pass on to their businesses, 
uh, they had at least one business that was so appreciative that said if they had not gotten that help as a result of the crowdfunding campaign, they would have closed. Um, so it, it just, it made a difference. We heard that all across the county. Some of the communities really smacked it out of the park and just went crazy, like down in uh, Hazel Park and, and Madison Heights, and they kept moving their goalposts and their goal higher because they just blew it off out the door right away. Um, so they raised upwards of 20000 and And so it, by the time it was all said and done, with crowdfunding donations, the match contributions, we had the um, Oakland County Business Finance Corporation step forward and say, hey, we want to give money to everyone who's still short of their goals. So they put money into the pot that helped a couple of them the, the finish line. Um, and, and since then, too, we've had PNC Bank Foundation reach out to us, and they are giving us an additional grant of $50,000 to add to the match. And we had another company, uh, Dentamax in Southfield, they gave us $5,000 and said, apply how you want it. And so when we combine that with the PNC uh, donation from their communities, the online campaign, and all the match dollars from us and other sources, uh, overall the campaign raised over 100000 awesome. Yeah, and you know, one of the things, John, is the timeline, right? Like over $300,000 in, in how, and how much time, right? Three months? Yeah, um, not even. I mean, really, the, the campaigns really got off the ground in the middle of May. And the vast majority of them had ended by the beginning of July. Um, and the couple wrapped up mid in July. So we really looked at it as 45 days to raise $300,000 from over a thousand donors. Yeah, it was such a great experience to, to support your main streets. And I, you know, one of the things you mentioned, and I think that so many main streets are seeing this right now is, that it is a new universe and so um, in order to stay afloat and to continue to serve their communities and, and build that vibrancy we talk about so much folks are having to learn new skills and i know that some of your main streets really struggled and some uh, main streets were just they were already really good um, at raising funds but i think overall i think almost every campaign that we talked to and work with was so eager to gain these skills as well um, because crowdfunding we say this all the time is not a replacement for traditional funding but it it's a better way to extend your reach and to hear the stories that you shared and also that some of these projects shared uh, these uh, main street uh, campaigns shared is not only inspiring but i'm hopeful that the skills that those folks gained in being able to share uh, the campaign and to really crowdfund and to learn what it's like to actually ask for money um, and to do that in an authentic way um, is, is my hope for one of the key takeaways for this program. Can you talk at all a little bit about some of your efforts um, to support Main Streets in adapting to the current COVID situation? Um, are there any specific um, themes or things you're hearing from Main Streets as they deal with literally what's happening in their communities? Yeah, um, you're, you're right on the on the fundraising 
side, it was new territory for many of them. And I, I think from the fundraising aspect, from crowdfunding and also adapting their mainstream, uh, there's kind of a, a, a universal parallel that they've learned that they have to communicate their communities and their stakeholders all the time. And, and they have to build those relationships for crisis growth <laughs> because it, 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 me it meant the difference in mobilizing their campaigns faster than later and getting the support sooner than later as well. And, and we harp on that all the time about communication and engaging and um, you know, building those relationships, not just within their specific downtown areas, but the entire community. And, and I know it can get tiring and tedious, tedious at times that it feels like that they're having to repeat themselves, but we always tell our communities in Oakland County, one of the, we added a couple um, elements to the eight guiding principles of Main Street in Oakland County, we added two more. And one is repeat, repeat, because you have to say it all the time, who we are, what we do, why it's important, how it benefits the community, how it benefits you. And you'll have to say it over and over and over again because people say, oh, I, I didn't even know you existed. <laughs> Who are you? And you've been around for 20 years. <laughs> and, uh, so, um, and why it matters and making the parallel to the work that they do to the things and the benefits that their stakeholders get to enjoy about their downtown whether it's a business, whether it's the way it looks from a design standpoint, whether it's um, you know at an event or festival that, or a farmer's market that probably happens because that downtown organization exists, did the groundwork to make those things happen. People take them for granted and people have very short memories. It's always been like this. It has not been always like this. And especially so, again, you have to repeat and remind people. So even in the time of the pandemic, we find that our communities have to adapt by communicating and reminding people of the importance. Crowdfunding, absolutely. They were constantly hitting people events. But to, to support and to donate and to reach people, uh, and I, but the communication is key. And I think one of the antidotes I would share was in Franklin. Franklin's very upscale little village. And uh, the downtown director was getting very frustrated. It was taking them so long to just get to their base goal. And we kept trying and trying everything to help nudge and push them there. And literally at 11.59 and 30 seconds before their campaign ended, they went over the four, they hit the $4,000 match mark. And like, what happened? They didn't even know what happened. They didn't know who did that. It, it was like a $700 contribution. They did not know who put them over until the next day. And it was one of their village councilmen who did it. And they weren't sure that that village council member was even supportive of that. And that sent a message that was she had been listening she had been watching and because of the time and effort they took to build the relationships they got their goal and their full full match so you never know who's listening and watching and uh, you know observing and they may not be supporting you right in that moment 
but they may when it, it really is helpful. So we continue to advocate to the communities of continuing to do other shifts like technology. You know, those that were good at social media and had good web presence, uh, they did better, of course, than the communities who did not. Um, so we really stress that as part of that communication to make sure your, your aim is on from a technology standpoint and social media standpoint. And then uh, a lot of our communities are also adapting just their physical spaces and communicating and uh, finding ways that people can know that they're safe when they come to their districts, uh, when they come to their businesses, and finding ways to help their businesses to adapt. Um, and, and they're doing that even with placemaking. We've, we've seen an uptick and we've pushed back on people that said, well, now's not the time to do placemaking or design work. No, now is the time to do placemaking and design work because it shows something is continuing. It's a level of normalcy that people in the communities appreciate seeing, whether it's a mural going up or it's a farmer's market that's been adapted or it's outside dining things that are taking place. Um, so they support that and the districts, we are encouraging them and trying to fund them to do that to continue to adapt their physical spaces that may end up being permanent or maybe in for um, a shorter term. Yeah, you know, uh, John, you had mentioned adding to your tenants and I saw that one of the additions was flexibility. And I think that's kind of, kind of the key word of this moment, right? To be flexible, yeah. adaptive, to reduce bureaucracy, to put things into motion quickly. How have your main streets responded with that? Yeah, you, 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 so, someone's been checking. Yes, they found our other addition of flexibility. <laughs> so which oh, we, we may sometimes get scolded on in the Main Street world um, as a whole, but we're, we're, we like to be, move, we have to change, and always jump off the same cliff that everyone's going to be. And, and that's okay. We, we like taking risks and being first and, and, and giving things a shot. That's all so being part of being entrepreneurial. And so we try to convey that down to our, our districts as well, the districts. So we keep putting emphasis, whether it's through the crowdfunding campaign or our technical assistance or our uh, other funding mechanisms to support our communities to be entrepreneurial and support their business and adapt to it. Um, so whether that's a grant to help them get online, to create a website, uh, to coach them on uh, being better at social media and communicating with partners, uh, developing tools uh, that can be handy. Uh, we, we try to do all that with our communities and pass that down to the districts and share that uh, with their, their business community. We give them all the tools, we give them all the opportunities, but we can't, we can't necessarily make them use them. Uh, but we try to make the parallels for them of why it's important. And I think that's one of the things you see in Main Street, not only in Oakland County, but all across the country. A lot of Main Street districts, uh, businesses are very creative. They do get very flexible. They find a way to make it work. And may, I've always tell people in the years I've been involved in Main Street, it's we're always the ones that everyone loves to celebrate us and pat us on the head and how cool we are. But yet we're always the ones that have to find a way to make it work. No one else is going to do it. 
that one of the the great things about having an organization of main streets is kind of sharing best practices and that um, we find is you know the cornerstone of what we do we we can elevate what other folks have done we can give advice and suggestions and provide feedback can you talk a little bit about what it means to be an organization of main streets and what what insights have you gleaned from that um, because one of the things, one question that we ask communities all the time and they sometimes struggle with is what's special about your community? And because you serve a lot of different communities, I'm sure what's special varies from community to community, but um, are there some, um, some key learnings from supporting a lot of different entities that you've learned? And if so, can you share any of um, your strategies about how you meet these communities where they are, knowing that there's different uh, levels of understanding, different cultures, mm -hmm. different stories? Yeah, um, that's, that's one of the cool things about all of them, at least here in Oakland County, and I'm sure others would say the same around in different states, the diversity in every community of how they are unique, whether it's their population, it's their income, it's their business mix, their location, whatever it is, their building stock. Um, that's the cool thing. And we we love to play up those assets. Every every community has assets. And I've been doing this long enough and around the country and working with communities of every size, all the way down to a population of 150. And nothing drives me crazy when a community says, well, we can't do that because we're not X, Y, Z. I don't care. <laughs> Every community has resources and assets. They just don't know. They just don't know it sometimes because they've gotten so close to it. They don't see or they don't think beyond their own boundaries. And, and you know, the main street structure, the, any community can, can learn those mechanics of, organizational development, Main Street development, but the most successful communities are the ones that are able to mobilize their assets and their resources. And they're gonna all look different. And some of their greatest assets are their people, are their talent, and the skills and the knowledge and the contacts or expertise that they have. And, and connecting those into the approach. That's where the magic happens. So, Every community is different, and, and I think we, we try to meet them where they are. The community has to be ready to embrace downtown development or Main Street at least halfway, um, or it's not going to quite work. And they have to be ready for it. And that's okay. It's not a race. You know, sometimes we get into the grasses greener. Oh, this community has this. Oh, that community has that. Well, they didn't fall out of the sky. <laughs> They, they made commitments, they made decisions uh, to be that way, and they worked at it, and they, they took the way and they put the time and resources to what happened over time. Every community can do that. It's not a race. It is absolutely not a race. And I know people can get very discouraged, like, oh, look at that community over there. They've done that. They've done this. But again, the main thing is you have to start somewhere. And before you know it, you're going to look up and look around and say, wow, look, look, look what's happened. Look what's changed. Um, so, you know, hurting that with 25 different communities of every socio and economic background there is from Birmingham, the Beverly Hills of Oakland County, kind of, I tease them about that. They think 
<laughs> to the little tiny Leonard up in the northern part of the county, uh, to you know, a community like Hortonville that doesn't even have sewers. And because of it, they can't get certain type of businesses, entrepreneurial, and how to figure out to make that situation work in a way that they can still have progress. So they're all different. It's like watching TV, you have to change the channel, like, okay, I'm in this community now, and we don't say things like this, or we don't talk about this topic, but we can talk about this, and why don't we kind of see if we can't move the needle a little bit? What if we did this? I'm, I'm a big proponent of saying, don't tell me we can't do something, tell me how we can. And so every time a community in Oakland County says, well, we can't, eh, I don't wanna hear it. <laughs> tell me how we, how we can, and what would work for you? If we can't do this, you tell me, what can we do? What will fly? Yeah. That's going to move the needle. Because we have to move the needle a little bit. And um, that's, that's the challenge, but it's also really cool when it works. And you see it happen. And the community starts to see change and progress. And, and you know, many times that people come back and say, oh, thank you. You did this. You did that. It's like, no, you did it. Yeah. All I did was point the way or point out some connections or dots that, that maybe you hadn't quite looked at, but you guys are the ones who are doing the work on the ground. And, um, and again, it's about mobilizing the people and the resources. The recipe of downtown development, that's the easy part. Mm. The hard part is organizing resources that every single has and being committed yeah, I thank you so much for sharing that. I, there are so many conversations I've had with communities where, you know, they really have to over, overcome this naysaying, this sense that, you know, in this town, this doesn't happen and things don't change. And, you know, the goal of our work and obviously yours is to show like this community doesn't look that much different than you and if it does look different than you that's a good thing um and i'm gonna start using that like okay don't tell me what you can't do tell me what you can do um and obviously in today's climate i know that being focused on the positive and and being able to to envision what you see for uh, the future of your community is going to be essential to these communities surviving. Um, one thing I, I want to ask you about, because I've heard this from some main streets, is that they're seeing record number of attendees at their regular meetings because people can join them on Zoom. Um, and so have you seen any ways in which main streets are adapting like that? Um, uh, because for on one hand, it's like, oh, it's a bummer. We can't all get together at the you know local coffee shop and talk about how we want um, these spaces to improve. But on the other hand, it's allowing people who might have small children to be able to join the call from their home while they're, you know, feeding their kids. Um, what, what do you think that adapting can and should look like as you try to stay organized and mobilize your people? Right. Well, I, I think some folks are getting a little teched out um, with so many Zoom meetings. They're, they're all continuing to function virtually. And some of them, because we were allowed to in Michigan, at least uh, in our area, we can meet in small groups as take the precaution. Um, so some of them have even opted to go back to have their board meetings 
uh, in person, face to face, uh, but they're they're masked. And, um, I think one of the the biggest adaptations that people are are going to be hungry for when it comes with technology and inclusion, that's been both a blessing and a curse with the technology, is the technology has allowed um, the communities and their efforts to reach a broader audience, definitely. And I think one of the, the cool things that I've seen, particularly in farming, as an example, uh, they had a very successful ladies' night out event that they did. And they adapted it be virtual and it was incredibly successful um, so they literally made it virtual with uh, taking it uh, by camera to the businesses and interviewing people and showing off products and doing demonstrations online and uh, you know people could then could order or purchase while they were listening or, or send a message to the, the business owner um, and so it, it introduced a whole level of consumer that maybe they, they weren't having before through the web and through technology and social media. So I think they're one of the, the coolest examples that I've seen in Oakland County that took a very successful event that meant a great deal to them that was very in-person driven, and they've made it work virtually. Um, and um, and still have, if not the same success or uh, a new level of success because of it. So I think people are gonna still be very hungry for that physical hometown feel. Local, it, supporting local is very hyper level right now. And our districts recognize that. We've been promoting that. Uh, they've been sharing it. and And so, the Zoom and the technology aspects are helpful, but I think there's going to be a day here where people are really going to be cautiously eager to reconnect to their communities. Thank you. Great chatting with you. Thanks for tuning in to Building Vibrant Communities. We hope you were inspired to hear from our guests and learn more about how together we are shaping communities now and in the future. If you or someone you know should be featured on our podcast, let us know. You can tweet us at patronicity or email us at info at Stay safe and be inspired.